is the Australian Rescue Podcast. This is the Australian Rescue Podcast. Steve's my name. Thank you for joining me today. We've got an interesting podcast today. Sitting with me today, we're actually at the Packenham SES headquarters in Victoria, Australia. I've got Chris Rogers in front of me. I've got Shane Price next to me and also Crispin, who's sitting in the corner. Uh, Crispin O'Neill, who doesn't want to say much today. But um, I guess, gentlemen, thank you for uh, joining us today. It's um, hopefully going to be a good show and uh, we're going to learn a lot today. So let's just start with Chris. Let's get a bit of a background of um, your experience with SES, um, you know, maybe how you started um, so we can get a good idea of, of where you're from and, and things like that. My name is Chris Rogers. I've been a member of the uh, Victorian State Emergency Service Packenham Unit for 34 years um, and I've uh, been doing rover rescue for largely that amount of time. So... That's basically my history in the uh, SES. Um, and what else do you do outside of the SES, I guess? Your day-to-day, because we all know we're all volunteers, so um, what else do you have you done in the past? I was a technician with uh, Tel- Telstra, formerly Telecom Australia, and now I'm a, a postal delivery officer with Australia Post. There's a bit of a big change there, that's for sure. <laughs> Shane, what do you do with yourself these days? Uh, Shane Price, husband... Um, father of two young girls. I've uh, been with uh, Vic now for six years, I believe, and uh, Road Rescue accredited for four of those. So, um, yeah, I probably um, enjoy the Road Rescue side of things a lot more than, you know, the mundane tree jobs and getting up on roofs and things like that. So it always presents a challenge and, um, yeah, every job's different. So it's, uh, yeah, always keeps us coming back. And what do you do for a crust as well, your job? Uh, at the moment, I'm a crane truck driver, so uh, yeah, just basically delivering house frames, trusses, that type of thing. So uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. And Christmas here, and he doesn't want to talk much, so that's all right. Um, all right, well, we we got to know a little bit about you guys now. Um, some of the things that we would like to know, though, um, you've got a huge um, lot of experience. Chris, you've been around for years. Shane, you as well. Uh, we've all done plenty of jobs together, but. There's one particular job that we do want to talk about um, today, and I guess this one happened just last year, I suppose, um, in December 23rd. So who wants to start out with this one? Because this particular job is one that, as far as I'm aware, uh, hasn't been done before, um, at least in our knowledge. to the extent that it was done. The kind of thing that we may have seen could have been on a Hollywood film, but with a lot more roughness. So today's job um, that we're talking about is, well, I'll let you start, Chris. Um, how did the day start out for you, really? Yeah, it was just a normal uh, a day, a weekend job, I think it was, actually, and uh, we uh, responded to a, um, a single, single car accident um, down in the Long Warrior, which is in... Uh, uh, southeast of Melbourne, um, not too far away from Warrigal, the town of Warrigal. So we got responded to a, a reports of a person trapped, um, and uh, upon proceeding to that area, we uh, asked for a bit further information. We uh, were told that there was a, a single person trapped in the vehicle, and uh, probably had um, leg injuries and uh, other serious injuries. So um, that's what the nature of the response. So. Upon arriving on scene, we we observed a uh, a Holden Vectra sedan. It was on its side against a um, on a very narrow country road 
a dirt road. It had skidded in on a very narrow road. Barely, the road wasn't barely. The road wasn't wide enough actually for two vehicles to go down at one time. So it was a very narrow road. Um, there was a Holden Vectra, like I said, against a um, on its side against a large gum tree. Uh, the gum tree was probably on the uh, C pillar. So the vehicle was supported on the C pillar of the. Uh, holding itself in an upright position with the driver facing down towards the ground, if you can picture that. So um, we did a, and uh, we are actually a joint rescue unit with Nana Goon CFA, so part of the Packnam Road Accident Rescue Unit, which is what we're known as, and uh, they were already on scene, so we approached the incident commander and we asked him what the uh, situation was. He, he um, told us, yes, there was a one person trapped, severely trapped in the mechanically trapped in the vehicle so we approached the vehicle at that stage the vehicle was in a um i'd say um wasn't in a stabilized situation so some stabilization was used to make it so we could work on their vehicle and give some initial access into the vehicle um i think the the stabilization then consisted of uh hold fast which are um Stab fast, correct. Stab fast, correct, man. Uh, which are um, a stabilisation device used by most Rodex and rescue units to support the vehicle, so it didn't uh, tilt back and made it quite stable to it as a working platform, so we could work on the actual vehicle itself. Uh, a quick rescue plan was formulated amongst the crew, which consisted of um, act, getting access into the so we could have a look of how the entrap how badly the the driver was trapped in the vehicle. So uh, uh, the rescue plan was formulated, which consisted of doing a uh, roof flap. Um, while it was on its side, while it was, yeah, it was, while it was on its side. So um, we made some uh, made some cuts on the uh, A pillar and the B pillar, and then the C pillar presented a bit of a problem because. Um, it was a rent, resting against the tree trunk. So um, they guys worked on that for some time. I believe they used hydraulic cutters and a, a recip saw, a uh, battery-powered recip saw to um, able to flap that roof down. We, fortunately, we were able to get the roof down. And then we had a good look and the patient was in a terrible lot of pain. He was screaming continually. So that made the uh, rescue job quite stressful for... Um, the people were working on the actual car because he was actually screaming despite having quite a lot of pain relief on board he was screaming very loudly continually through the job um, so we tried to do an assessment and which was very hard to see due to the um, the impact the vehicle had um, sustained in the accident which which was seemed like it had struck on the uh, driver's side in the frontal area which had pushed all the uh, the wheels and sort of into the footwell. We couldn't even get down and to find his feet at this stage um, to try and to work out how we were going to get him out. And uh, he was severely entangled in the foot area down the down the um, down at his foot area. We couldn't get anything in there to be able to get him out in that situation. So after we sort of keep in mind, this is probably uh, a fairly long time. Uh, to- I wouldn't say we'd be an hour, but probably um, probably not in an hour. I'd say we were probably about 40 minutes or so into the job. Yeah, yeah, about 40 minutes, would you say, Shane? At least. So what we wanted to do was exhaust all options 
while the vehicle was on its side, we didn't really want to have to relocate the vehicle, but it was getting to the point where we thought we would have to relocate the vehicle, so um, to back on its wheels so we could actually, you know, remove the roof um, and try a different way of getting him out. So yeah. I was going to say, um, so we've got a vehicle on its side banged up against with its roof up against the, the tree trunk kind of thing, yeah. and we've got damaged footwells, say, around the A-pillar, and we've almost run out of options after an hour or so. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, bad Hollywood scenes where they just get the car and just push it back over um, and obviously probably do more damage than he's, um, than he's had already. Um, so where did you go from there kind of thing? Who wants to uh, talk about that? So um, we called a quick meeting in amongst the rescue team and we talked about the the job wasn't going going anywhere so we talked about we're going to have to relocate the vehicle and this is not something I've seen done I've seen vehicles relocated when they've been on the wheels but never when they've been on its side and keep in mind you've got paramedics in the vehicle you've got the driver is still in the vehicle it's on its side so it's in a not a very stable state even though it was stabilized and then you have to lower it back on its wheels with someone supporting the patient there was also a CFA member who was um, basically um, in control of the head as well so um, he was basically stationed in that position um, also trying to um, calm the patient down he basically wasn't having anything of it Um, I think also by this stage um, we weren't quite sure how his um, feet were trapped Um, so that was another reason why we needed to to look at uh, relocating as well as an option because his feet were kind of buried in the ground, yeah, I guess. You, you couldn't see a thing, really, could you? No, no we see, couldn't. You couldn't see his feet or feel his feet with your hands to work out, and there was nowhere. There was no way you could use um, hydraulic tools in the car to actually release his feet. Uh, it just because of the nature of the, how the vehicle was on the side, there was just no conventional way of actually being able to release his feet in that entangled um, firewall area. So. Um, there was also a lot of um, intrusion into that firewall from vehicle components as well, which we could see from the outside, but we couldn't actually get into the vehicle. So it w- represented a large problem. So we caught a quick meeting amongst the crew, decided that we'd have to do a controlled relocate, which is something we'd never done before on its side, for real. And um, so... Because you'd actually practiced that a few weeks prior, though, hadn't you? If if I recall, somebody had said you'd you'd no. done it once no. at training. I think I think we've trained before with um, <clears throat> basically a controlled roll, yeah. um, where we've you know used turf as both sides or a turf or winch type setup and basically rolled a vehicle from its wheels onto its side and then rolled it back in a controlled fashion, of course. Um, never really thought that we'd um, be implementing this in a real life situation, but turns out that um, yeah. It actually uh, paid off in uh, spades. Well, take us through what you actually had to do to sort of get this thing actually going. Yes, yeah, so we um, got uh, got uh, two turf winches, and we um, put one uh, we put one around the uh, the B pillar at the top of the vehicle, which was on the side. And uh, we and keep in mind this is a very narrow road, and the, on the side of the road there was no way on the side of the road there was not very many big trees to anchor the turfers to and it was also very sandy and also very moist ground so that represented a problem 
and on one side of the vehicle we were able to fortunately get a, a reasonable tree to keep in mind that we didn't have all day and we didn't want to um, start you know, building large holdfasts or anything into the ground. So we fastened one of the turfers to one side of the vehicle uh, to a tree and the other side we've, we picked another tree which we thought would be adequate at the time. And um, then also we got a, um, a low-pressure airbag as a bit of a safety thing because um, the low-pressure airbags are, are really large and um, maybe stand maybe a, about a metre in height. So we thought that if the vehicle did um, start to um, get away from us on the turf or at least lower onto the airbag and absorb some of the shock. The paramedics and the uh, personnel were informed inside that we got, that was the only way we were going to release the patient was to get that vehicle back into its wheels so we could start to disassemble some of the dashboard components and doors and roofs and stuff so we could actually free this um, casualty. Um, they were okay with the plan. So we proceeded to get all the, uh, you know, this, we keep in mind we're probably into about an hour and a half into the job getting close and bordering on close to two hours uh, getting all this stuff set up um, so back to the um, the turf winch they were set up um, we were very happy with one side um, where it was anchored to but the other side was not ideal but we thought we'd be able to get away with it so we got halfway through um, we got started moving the vehicle back in the control we very slow obviously in a controlled fashion we got it yeah two operators one 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 moving the turf one way my moving in the other way and it was moving you know a couple of inches at a time maybe and um probably due to a bit of uh due to the ground conditions or uh, about three quarters of the way through the job the actual tree started to pull out of the ground on the side we we're a bit uh not very happy with so um but this is all part of it. This is this is what happens sometimes, and it's the things like this now that we can actually talk about and go, well, what went wrong, and how did we fix it? So I'm I'm fa- I haven't heard how about this. So this is um, news to me how uh, you actually fixed this problem. Yeah. So a, a, a whole fast was constructed, which was an ideal again, um, which was made, made putting some stakes in some ground, some what's pe- uh, uh, star pickets into the ground with some rope, tied them up. Um, we relocated the. Um, what did we do? We moved it. Uh, um, I think uh, originally with um, on the the uncertain side, I guess I'll call it, um, because one of the one of the anchors that uh, Crispin he was uh, in control of, we were more than happy with. Um, the second uh, anchor on the on the far side um, that we had originally on the tree. I mean, just as a, a point of interest, um, some of the things that we consider. I remember at one point, Crispin, I was saying to you. Um, do you have a second just to come and have a look at this tree? I'm not sure what type it is because Chris, uh, Crispin's our uh, our resident what would you call horticulturalist. So uh, yeah, we uh, we drew on his experience with um, uh, tree types and things like that just to basically get an idea if um, this root structure is sufficient enough for the size of the tree to to actually um, accommodate what we were trying to do there. So um, yeah, that was a thought that um, you know got thrown around, and um, I think at that point yeah, Crispin basically said, look. I, I think it would be fine, but just to, to err on the safe side of caution, we'll go with the with the hold fast. So um, that's basically how that uh, that come about. Um, uh, turns out that the uh, the star picket type setup wasn't uh, really sufficient, um, but it managed to get us through to the point that we were happy to 
basically use the uh, the the low pressure airbag to guide us the rest of that that way down. So that's where that plan B came into effect, um, and of course it came in very useful. And uh, yeah, plan C, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just one of those dynamic things. It's a dynamic situation, and uh, yeah, things change quickly. And uh, yeah, we were uh, prepared to to deal with that. So. I guess did you did you have any other problems with different types of gear? Like, did you have enough sort of stuff? Like a, a three, two, one picket hole fast. It's not something we're always carrying, you know, loads of pickets in the vehicles, um, or, or even other options. Did you? Were there many other things like that that you went, oh, hang on, what else could we do here? Like, I don't know, using chains um, and things from spreaders from off the tree or similar, or I don't know. There wasn't a lot of options of, of where we could do a hold fast due to the, the there wasn't a lot of working room if you can understand being a very narrow road and and the side where we needed that other um, the other turf anchored off was very close to a, a embankment of a railway line and there wasn't a lot of room and it was very sandy moist soil so we we're fighting against a very unstable ground and. Um, also fighting against the clock as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were fighting against the clock basically because we had to get this guy out of the vehicle. So we wanted to get it over as um, as quick as we possibly could, but in a safe and controlled manner. Obviously, keeping in mind we had you know we had the casualty and we had paramedic and we had someone just helping the paramedic, a CFA officer in there as well, supporting the uh, casualty itself. So, uh, yeah, that came down, but that was later. The, yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, they like there was no room for the chopper. They moved that somewhere else. So, so we eventually got uh, the vehicle back on its wheels, which was uh, good. Um, and then obviously there was a case of restabilizing the vehicle, and due to the um, time constraints of the actual job and the amount of time that uh, people had actually been working on the job, a lot of fatigue was starting to settle in, set in for um, the workers. So. Another rescue unit was also dispatched from Daniel, being Daniel, uh, Daniel Rescue from the CFA. They came out to give some uh, technical help and uh, and um, assistance to the crews, which were already a bit exhausted. Uh, I think there was three of them came out. We probably had about four or five on our side, our, our, our team, and about four or five on Nana Goon's team, and about four on Daniel, three on Daniel's team. By that stage, Danny on turned up. We'd had the car and the wheels, so it was a matter of um, restabilising, which we did. Um, then we then we removed the roof, which keep in mind that roof was already partially um, it being flapped, so it was still attached to the vehicle. So we removed that um, that roof, and then it was a matter of. Uh, the dashboard components were disassembled. They're like the center console, part of the um, the stereo system, and where were all the stereos mounted. And then we found we found a um, a metal the uh, often the support bracket behind the dash where we were able to put um, a cross ram technique was done from the bottom of the pillar to the middle of the dash. So we were able to push the and some yeah. Yeah, and then we were able to um, do some relief cuts in the bottom of the pillars, and it was a matter of pushing that whole dashboard forward. And once we got that dashboard forward, we were able to get some access into his into the footwell. At, I may have missed it, but at which point did you take off the driver's door? Oh, the driver's door removal was done. Um, 
about the same time the roof was removed. We did remove the roof, remove the driver's door, um, and then we were able to see the nature of the entrapment of his actual feet. Keep in mind, if the, when the vehicle was when the vehicle was on its side, um, we were, couldn't see anything, of course, because the driver's door was buried into the dirt. So there's no there's no access at all, and um, it was just the nature of the impact of the the collision, which caused severe impact on the driver's side, and being buried in the dirt, there's just no way you could get to his legs. Um, so, like I said, there was the roof removal, the door removal, some relief cuts in the bottom of the eight pillars on both sides. A removal of dash components and there was a cross ram technique from the bottom of the I think of B pillar uh, to the up towards the steering wheel area which pushed that whole dashboard assembly and the right forward which enabled the uh, his legs to be freed and then it was a matter of we put a uh, slipped the backboard in and lifted him out through the back and job was done um, but once like I said it was a pretty once the uh, once the vehicle was on its wheels, it was a reasonably straightforward job. It wasn't a hard job. I was going to say because it, it's like as though when it got back onto its wheels, it's a brand new scenario again, isn't it? Really, and you, you're starting from scratch almost yeah. with a, a screaming guy. Well, I think once the vehicle was relocated to its wheels, it just became another run of the mill, um, you know, uh, road rescue for us. Um, everything was familiar from that point on. I think uh, at one point there, um, before we did write the, the vehicle back onto its wheels, um, when we were looking at doing a roof flap, we had to actually remove a, a ton of dirt from underneath that, that whole side there um, just to be able to access, well, not so much access, but just to be able to, to flap that roof down in a, in, a, in a fashion that we'd normally um, normally execute that, that um, technique. So, um, again, yeah, it just became... Um, uh, pretty run-of-the-mill uh, extraction after that. Um, we did notice that, uh, yeah, the uh, the patient did have extensive uh, leg injuries, um, which resulted from that impact. I'm not sure whether that's an uh, an 80 or 100 kilometre. I'm not sure of that, but he w- he must have been travelling at a rate of knots to, um, yeah, to basically uh, take on those kinds of injuries. But um, yeah, it was uh, as Chris said, uh, very stressful for the the rescuers. Um, patient being very very vocal uh, I do recall at one point there um, a technique that I'd learned from um, a previous member was to uh, basically say to the, the the patient look could you be quiet for a second I need you to calm down because um, I need to get your pulse and the, generally it, that works nine out of ten times and in this case I'd be counting out loud and it gave um, especially the um, I think it was a micro paramedic and the, the CFA uh, member in the back there a, a little bit of time to uh, <laughs> basically recoup themselves as well um, and I mean you know that just it's, I think it's just those little one percenters that help the job go uh, smoother and uh, make it a little more comfortable but again as Chris said uh, I think he was one of the most vocal uh, entrapments that we've ever had which became very um, yeah trying on on some of us well I, I asked the question to um, the other uh, guy who was in the vehicle uh, this morning actually before this this chat but I said, why did, did the Ambos give him anything and knock him out? Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, all right, boys, you've got 10 minutes, go for it. I mean, how much of that sort of thing happened to, or drugs, to calm the patient down? Was he complaining because of pain or just because he was stuck? He was complaining because he just wanted to get out and uh, the severe pain he was in. Uh, I think they, towards right at the end of the job, keep in mind that was probably three hours in, he, he started to quieten right down, but... 
the first two hours where you really needed to have your head about you, he was um, making it very because you, you're trying to you're trying to work within uh, you know a, a foot or so from his head, and he's screaming in your ear. So it makes it very hard to try and to try and focus on what the rescue plan is going to work when someone's screaming at you continually, "Get me out! Get me out! Get me out! Get me out!" That's basically what he was saying, with a few other words in between. But uh, <laughs> so you know, I mean. One of our concerns were, of course, the, the relocation on the side was we wanted to exhaust all options. Um, we wanted to exhaust all options before we actually did the relocation because if, if something had gone wrong later on and they said, but why did you turn it over when you could have done this, you could have done that, um, we we wanted to make sure that you know we covered all options and that was the last available option. I mean, we could have... We could have just waltzed into the scene and said straight, oh, let's turn that vehicle over and make it a lot easier. But that, you know, you don't want to be doing those things unless you really have to do them because, you know, things can go wrong and then that someone will be asking questions. And fortunately, uh, everyone who was on the scene later and including other rescue units looked at the job and said, no, nah, that was the only way you could do that job. So we sort of felt, the crew felt that good that we made the right decision to do that. And it was the right, we did get him out, but it probably took a bit longer than we should have because we were going through all the options. Yeah exhausting can we do this can we do that can we no we can't do this so we're sort of running around um you know look it looked like we weren't really achieving much for the first hour probably because we just didn't know we're trying a few things but none of them were working because i haven't never seen a job like that that hard on its side and um with that level of mechanical entrapment that was the problem. I mean, if it had been not so much, so heavy an entrapment, we would have been able to sort of just drag him out up through the side roof flap. Um, but no, he was very, very uh, badly injured in the in the leg area and trapped in the footwell, and the, you couldn't get rams in or anything like that um, to do what we wanted to do. So we made the right decision in the end, and it turned out well. No one got hurt. No one and lowered it down. Oh, that's, that's really good. I mean, so what are some of the take-homes from this? I mean, we talked about some things that did go wrong. Were there many other things that you just thought, oh, we could have done that better um, rather than trying, you know, whatever option first? I mean, anchors and Holfast, yeah, we've got um, good trees, or at least one of them, but, you know, was using a vehicle an option or is it just because of the nature of the size of the street or similar or...? Um, I think at one point there, um, the FSV um, was kind of, yeah, the, um, yeah, the uh, sorry, uh, FCV rather, um, I did recall seeing that roll into the scene at one point and thought, you know, what, what's that kind of doing there? But um, as Chris has mentioned before, you know, with the um, the work area being so narrow, it didn't really pan out to be a, a viable option for us. Um, I think also what led to the, the duration of the job being so long was... Um, we had a, a mica paramedic in the vehicle and you know when we uh, basically get feedback from them on the patient's um, vitals and things like that um, i think the fact that it wasn't called time critical um, it almost not so much relaxed us but it, it just gave us that breathing room to be able to work through all those different plans to to exhaust all other options um, had it been called time critical i'm not too sure what would have happened there we may have had to use the cutters just to lop off that ankle but um, <laughs> but <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean that again. That'd be a totally different scenario had it been called time critical. So um, yeah, but uh, as far as uh, looking at things differently, um, no, I don't think. 
we could have probably improved more on our uh, use of the turf. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons why the uh, the the um, hot, the the anchor point actually failed was due to the a bit of communication between the crews. One was was one wasn't one wasn't pulling one way and one wasn't pushing the other way, and so one was pulling against the other ones as the as the um, vehicle was being lowered. So it put a bit more strain on the anchor on the other. So you know what I'm saying? One was dra- one was dragging against the other, so that led to the tree. So probably a bit more practice on, on turf for winches, but. I mean that's just a, a an error, communication error at the time, and uh, and also the stress of the actual job itself, and probably a little bit of inexperience with the people, the crew who were on one end of the uh, turfer. Funny we mentioned that because Crispin was on one of the uh, sides of the turfer. Crispin, what are your thoughts on this? I was on the turfer that was uh, originally pulling the car. And um, I was the go-between the operator of the turfer. So he was actually down the drain. And I was telling him when to go forward and back with the movement of the arm. Uh, we had a good hold fast there. With, it was a good tree. Um, yeah, probably the communication from the person at the car and the, and the uh, two turfer operators needs to be practiced more. So... When we did it in training, we've always we've used our arms to go forward and back, forward and back, and then they can individually um, change the speed of one turf compared to the other. Because um, you wouldn't have had uh, direct line of sight almost. You've got this big car in the way, so you've got to have somebody in the middle trying to coordinate everybody doing it correctly. Yeah, yeah you have the one person at the car looking at the car, watching it, and he controls, they control the movement. Probably is the person, the problem with the person was actually the car was more concerned about the car <laughs> and and rather because we were all sort of looking at the car because it was wondering how it was actually going to fall down, like as in control drop, because it was actually sliding a bit on the, on the actual dirt itself, on the road itself, so... Yeah, so we sort of had to put some chocks in there to stop it from moving around because it was, it wasn't, and of course it was wasn't sitting on its wheels initially because it was sitting on its side. So the wheels were sort of just barely touching the dirt. So when it when it did start to tip over, it sort of started to flick around a bit. So, so you know, really we probably needed two, but one one to monitor the vehicle and one to actually communicate between the teams. So that was probably an issue. So. Um, well, but at the end of the day, we got it done. But it was we were lucky we got it done because it was difficult. Difficult. Um, the whole fast was the, the problem on the other side, basically, and there was just no room to really do it. I mean, you, we could have built a fantastic whole fast had we not been under so many time constraints. But it, it, everything's time constraint, so um, we didn't want to. You know, we thought we could do it. We got away with it in the end, and. Uh, and uh, from all accounts from people in the vehicle, they felt it was quite uh, smooth and uh, not an issue. Um, just as a, a point of interest also, when we were doing that controlled roll, um, the rear tyre was uh, still attached firmly and the uh, the front tyre had actually been uh, removed from its fixing. So uh, basically when we've done this controlled roll uh, in a training environment, 
um, basically the the corner of the um, the tire wall. But that that's um, your fulcrum. So when yeah, you've basically got one pivot point um, when you're doing this controlled roll. But obviously not having that that front wheel attached allowed the front of the car to start being drawn towards the side of the turf that was being um, winched up and basically um, pulling the car. So yeah, that's where we found that uh, the front of the car was moving. Um, I'm not sure what we did to alleviate that though. We stuck we stuck a couple of um, step chocks in there, and we just kept pulling it, and eventually eventually it dug into the ground, yeah. and actually came over. Once it sort of um, dug in, it was alright, but it was the initial skidding and and a few step chocks, um, and then we helped it actually sort of dig into the actual dirt surface. Yeah, because that makes me think. Because if you do have a car on its side, if it's all smooth on one side from all the doors, you start moving it from the top. Well, naturally, the thing will just start moving and sliding anyway, rather than actually digging in and doing what you needed to do, I guess. So that that makes perfect sense. But I think that is an important take-home, just to think, okay, well, let's you've got to wedge it in there to stop it from actually moving the wrong way, I guess. I think also being on um, a gravel road, that didn't really help our cause either. Um, may have been a different scenario, you know, in a normal tarmac road or bitumen road. Um, but, yeah, having that loose gravel there um, and just those conditions didn't really uh, make the uh, the training exercise convert ultimately very well to, to real-life situation. So, uh, yeah, again, it's just a whole dynamic thing. And, uh, yeah, you've just always got to have that, that new plan rolling over in case, uh, you know, your plan C or D doesn't come to fruition. Absolutely. At what point do people in higher authority um, in, you know, different districts or regions or, you know, regional duty offices and stuff sort of come down and go, hang on a minute, that's taking nearly, you know, an hour and a half or why why is it taking so long? It, did uh, you get any anything back from them going, what are you doing out there still? Because a typical job we all know is barely an hour. Yeah, we did get uh, some inquiries later after the job was finished as what what was going on down there. They wanted to know why we were down there for close on three hours or something. I can't remember the time. Keep in mind, it was a very hot day as well, very humid. Um, so guys were really doing it tough, and uh, the casualty was also in a lot of pain, causing a, a you know a lot of uh, emotional stress as well on the on the rescuers by the amount of pain he was in and the uh, yelling and screaming continually despite having very very strong pain medication well guys is there anything else that you um, want to mention I mean are there any real take-homes and things um, that you know you can share with other people that who have not done this kind of thing um, before and you think hang on a minute while it is a, a one percenter or, or you know a less than one percent type job um, what's some good advice for people uh, good advice is that always consider uh, relocation. Um, uh, years ago, it was a, a years ago it was a sort of thing you never ever considered relocating as cars, whether they were on their wheels, or worried about spinal injury causing further. Obviously, the main issue issue from that is causing further injury to the patient or rescuers in, around that vehicle. But over the years, we've actually found that. Uh, to actually, relocate vehicles has made uh, a lot of rescue jobs. Uh, go go a lot better so um but i'd suggest to um people out there that they might want to train at relocating vehicles when they are on their side back onto their wheels and uh because it's something you might have to do one day and uh 
we cer- I certainly haven't seen it before, and it, but it was a case of we had to do it, and uh, there was no other way. So it's something to be considered and trained, definitely trained, definitely train on it. Um, just one general thing um, in regards to turfers, which I'm sure people who have trained and used uh, this type of equipment is. Um, when you do have those lines under tension, of course they're rated, um, you know, for uh, dynamic forces. What we were using it for in that situation, it's not a static load. Um, these forces do change and shift, obviously being a dynamic load. And I think um, a great takeaway is to never forget to have that baffle in the middle of your um, your turfer cable. Um, because again, you know, had that car have fallen and taken up, you know, maybe two and a half, three times the initial weight of that vehicle, who knows what could have been, um, you know, could have transpired, and uh, yeah, you, you just certainly don't want a, um, a steel cable come flying at you. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's a very important thing that um, I think it even was at one point initially overlooked during this particular rescue, but it was quickly picked up upon, um, and uh, yeah, made safe. Cool. Can we quickly just talk on um, one other thing? I mean, the the connection points that you had were you um, around the trees and things. Um, what sort of slings and stuff were you using? Were they slings or were they um, just cable or similar? Or um, I believe they're are they three ton. They're either two or three ton slings, uh, more than capable of um, uh, you know sustaining the uh, the forces that were going to be uh, exerted on them. And uh, yeah, just basically um, using a, uh, a bow shackle um, to attach to the rear of the turfer, I believe. No, that's good. I always enjoy what what gear gets used and so on as well because. Um, Unlike many other units as well at the same time in Victoria, um, here we've got full battery-operated gear as well instead of um, live hydraulics or even pump-operated hydraulics as well. So um, it's, you know, I mean, these days technology's just changed so much. Um, but moving forward, it's the way to go at this stage. Yeah, I'd just like to say that uh, also with the relocation, always always uh, use a uh, hand-operated uh, winch such as a turfer because um, using motorised hydraulics is certainly not the way to go because you don't get the really smooth action um, you do with a turfer. Like a turfer winch is very, very controlled. It might be very, it might be a lot slower, but it's not jerky. It doesn't jerk the actual vehicle around and um, there's a lot more control whereas some people might consider oh, let's use the, the winch on the front of a vehicle or something like that but uh, it's definitely not uh, from my experience for doing uh, relocations uh, hand operated uh, winches are definitely the um, the go alright fellas well I just want to say a big thank you for um, stopping by um, and we can uh, share this, this great interesting story uh, with everybody um, if you want to know more, uh, I'm going to have some pictures up on our website as well, uh, arpodcast.org, and you can read more about the job there as well um, and get a real good idea of um, what we're actually dealing with uh, with this particular job. So if there's anything else you guys want to share, no, we're good. Happy to share the information, and, yeah, if someone can take something from it, then, uh, yeah, all the better for it. All right, well, thanks very much once again. And our website, arpodcast.org. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for your interest. Uh, Roger, stand by. Yeah, police have been dispatched for this call. This is the Australian Rescue Podcast. Heavy smoke on the The road's not been treated by paramedics. I believe the violence is still trapped by the
Australian Rescue Podcast.